0: Curious, by show of hands, how many of you have a best friend? You you say, I have a best friend. Some of you are pointing to them in the room like, yeah, boo, you're my best friend. You know, you and me forever, right? Most best friends that I know, they have some kind of like secret handshake. Any of y'all have like a secret handshake? All right. Okay. Some of y'all have like inside jokes and inside lingo. And every time you see this random thing, You start laughing like randomly and everybody around you like, what is it? I don't know. (laughs) What's so funny, right? And I think most of us that we have these best friends and different things like that. And so I wanted to tell you a little bit about one of my best friends. His name is Tommy Ling. Uh, So my friend Tommy, this is just a little story about him and some of our other friends, Tommy, Chris, Aaron, and EJ. And of my friends, Tommy was the ringleader. So let me just explain a little bit who Tommy was. Tommy was definitely the best looking of the group. Tommy was the wittiest. He was the funniest. He was the one of us who actually knew how to talk to girls. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Tommy had the best hair. And and not only all that, but Tommy was Asian. And and this is why that's such a big deal. Because we so highly respected Asian culture when I was in uh, high school. Because Asia is who brought us the Power Rangers. Can I get an amen from someone in the house? Asia is the one who brought us Dragon Ball Z. Amen, somebody. All right. Asia is responsible for for teaching Justin Timberlake that you can put blonde highlights in your hair. You know, you remember that from the 2000s? Some of you are getting on Google right now. You're like, he used to what? Like, what's happening right now? But we respected Asia most of all Because it brought us Tommy. And so on July 4th, 2002, these friends got bored. It was Chris, it was EJ, it was Aaron, but no Tommy though. Because for some reason, the 4th of July isn't as big a deal in Asian culture. Something about Chinese New Year and whatever. So Tommy wasn't even hanging out with the guys that night. Um, he was probably at home practicing violin or piano or trigonometry or steeping the oolong tea or something like that. But here were these three bored best friends, and they began wandering in the woods with firecrackers in their hands. I know. You're like, oh, gosh. Some of you, you're having memories right now of Fourth of July. You're like, America, right? And, you're just, and, and so here are these three best friends, and they're kind of wandering the woods, and they have these firecrackers in their hand. And they're like, what are we going to blow up? Mailbox? Right? Kitty cat? Hopefully not, right? You know? And and they just start walking around and, and then it struck them they had this brilliant idea. They would combine all of their firecracker booty into one massive, incredible explosion because they saw there, in the middle of the forest, a porta potty. <laughs> oh yeah. Here they were, and they saw it just calling out to them. And in their minds, they're like, This will be the best thing we've ever done. And they they were just talking it amongst themselves. Can you imagine? Pop, splat. Right? <laughs> and then whoever happens to use that porta potty are in for a rude awakening, right? They're gonna be face to face, nose to nose with. Something not that great. And so here they were, and they got all their firecrackers together, and they, they put it inside, and they, they lit it up, and they, like, they, they ran back as much as they could, and they're waiting. And they heard the pop, but they were so disappointed because they didn't even hear the splat. <laughs> like, what is going on? And so they just kept wandering the, wor- w- the woods and walking around, and, and about 30 minutes later, they began to hear police sirens, and they began to, to hear fire trucks. And so they, they're thinking, gosh, what's going on? There must be like some group of hood rat kids roaming the streets causing trouble. And they find their way back to the spot and from a distance they see their beloved porta potty in flames. It's literally it been engulfed in flames. And and here are people from the neighborhood moms and they're they're talking to reporters and being interviewed by the fire department and, and all this stuff is happening. And and here's what happens. You can kind of hear the moms talking and they're like, I bet it was that little Asian boy. I bet it was that little Asian boy. You know, the one with the perfect hair that always smells like fried rice and and messes up the curve on on my son's math tests. I bet it was him. And they were throwing my little Asian buddy under the bus, y'all. We call it guilt by association. And what did my friends do? They did what anybody else would have done. They hid, (laughs) right? They hid and there they were hiding behind a log in the forest and they were just talking to each other and their dialogue went something like this. They're like, yo, we need Jesus. (laughs) Like, I I could not even kid you on this. They're like, we need Jesus. (laughs) Like, this is so bad what we did. So lo and behold, that, that next Wednesday, they go to church. In the meantime, their parents are like, hey, did Tommy do it? Oh yeah, mom, it was Tommy. They just threw him under the bus just like that. But they showed up at our youth group in Houston, Texas, ridden with guilt from their crimes, knowing that they needed to change their hood rat ways. And they gave their lives to Jesus and they got saved. And they spent the rest of their days in a federal prison to serve out a life sentence. Just kidding. Just kidding. That last part's not true. Just the last part. But the rest of it's true. They did get saved. My friend Tommy went with them. He got saved also. And here's what's so cool. These crazy friends, they began serving Jesus together. They began reaching their friends for Jesus together. And this is all a true story minus the prison part. And we say this all the time in student ministry. Your friends have the ability to determine the quality and direction of your life. Some of you are are thinking about your your buddies right now. You're like, all the trouble I've gotten into. (laughs) Right? You're elbowing elbowing them right now. And here's what Jesus had to say about friendship. If you have your Bibles, we're in John chapter 15, verse 13. Jesus says, greater love has no man, no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And some of you have friends like that. You can probably count them on one hand. Others of you, you are that friend. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Here's where Jesus takes this friendship thing a step further. He says, you may have good friends. Every Hanukkah you get together and you spin the dreidel together. Y'all share each other's yarmulkes. Sometimes you get so rowdy, people call you tax collectors. Right? First century church jokes? No? Not that funny? Okay. But Jesus goes a little further, and I love this. In in explaining his relationship with his people, he says, You're no longer just servants. You are friends. And here is what friendship with God looks and feels like. Verse 15, Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in the name of my Father, in my name, my Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Let's pray for a moment. Father, help us to hear what you're telling us. Lord, as we we study your word, as we hear what, what your scripture has to say, I pray that in the areas of our lives that you want to prune... That our ears will be open to hear what you're saying. And that as we walk away from this message, let our lives be marked by an even greater desire to know you and to make you known in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine, here we have Jesus' friends. Some of Jesus' best friends. Peter, James, John, Paul, George, Ringo. Look, I'm convinced that they were part of the 72 that Jesus sent out. You can prove me wrong later, okay? But Jesus' friends grew up their whole lives knowing this about God, that God used to speak, but God's been silent for a long time. You see, in their, their lives, the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, had already been written, and they hadn't heard God speak a word for years. And not only that, but they had also grown up believing that only a few would ever get to experience God's presence. Now hear me here. In their culture, one time a year, they would journey to Jerusalem, the religious epicenter of Judaism, and there they would offer sacrifices. If you're poor, you'd offer a dove. If you had money, it would be a goat or a bull or a sheep. And these had to be a kosher animal without spots, without wrinkles, without blemishes or defects. And these sacrifices were symbols. The person or family would sacrifice an animal as a substitution for themselves. They would take a kosher, pure, innocent animal into the temple and the animal would die in their place. And the hope was that God would see the sins of the person or the family on that animal and punish the animal instead of them. Hebrews chapter 9, says, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. But in Jewish world, normal people would only go so far into the temple. If you were a non-Jew, if you were a Gentile like most of us are, you'd have been hanging out in the outer court. You see, the outer court is where all of us people would be eating our non-kosher Takis and our non-kosher pork and all those kind of things. If you were a Jew, there was an inner court for you. That's where you'd have people like Shia LaBeouf and Adam Sandler and Jeff Goldblum hanging out, singing about Hanukkah and all that kind of thing. But even then, there was a holy place. And in the holy place, that's only where the priests were allowed to go. Normal people were not invited into the holy place. And further still, there was a room even further inside, called the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was a room reserved only for the high priest. And only for the high priest one time a year. Because normal people were not invited into the Holy of Holies. And then here's Jesus. And then he introduces God in a completely different manner. No longer is God to be some distant deity. No longer is God only to be accessible to a select few, to, to people who are born into the right family. Instead, we can all have friendship with God. But listen, here's why. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew five 17, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings and the prophets. No, I have come to accomplish their purpose. In other words, Jesus didn't say, hey, that Old Testament stuff, man, that's just old school. Just forget about it. Here's a pass. It's all good. Jesus recognized that the Old Testament laws were still in effect. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. And Jesus recognized that because God had set up this system, only God could change this system. And here's the good news. That God's friendship with us required great, great love. John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You see, the difference between Christianity and every other faith in the world is that all other religions are about man trying to reach up to God. But Christianity is about God trying to reach down to man. Think about that for a moment. In Buddhism, if you want to reach enlightenment, you must travel the noble eightfold path. You must attain nirvana in your everyday life. You must navigate the four truths. In Islam, in, if you, faith and good deeds is what will lead to Jannah, called paradise. Seeking knowledge, going to the mosque, being good to your parents, believing in Allah and His messenger, praying, fasting, remaining righteous. Anyone who dies without ignorance, without stealing from the spoils of war, and without debt are more likely to enter paradise. Above all, reciting the Quran is perhaps the most effective way of getting into paradise. All this according to Quranreading.com, right? And so on. But in Christianity, God took the first step. Listen, listen. He sent his own son to die in our place. No longer did one more bull, one more goat, one more dove need to be killed because as John the Baptist said in John 1.29, look, the Lamb of God who's taken away the sins of the world. Amen. Amen. For God to flip the script, Jesus had to fulfill the law and die in our place. And that, my friends, is the best news of all. The best news of all. Romans 5.8 says it so beautifully. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Man, because God took the first step. And it wasn't a baby step. It was a paradigm-shifting, mind-bending, game-changing, earth-shattering first step. It was much, much, much bigger than any first step we could ever take towards him. And it's all because he loves you so much. Man, you need to hear that tonight. It's because he loves you so much, regardless of the baggage that you've walked in here with. Regardless of the shame from your past. Regardless of whether or not you look in the mirror and say, listen, God could never love that. It's not true. Listen. Jesus already made a way for you because he cares about you, because you're valuable to him, and you're important to him, and he loves you like crazy. And although salvation is free, it isn't cheap. Although we can't earn it, we can't work for it, it is still costly. Our friendship with God involves complete obedience. Listen to how Jesus said this in John chapter 15. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Jesus is telling us that we cannot call him friend if we don't do what he commands. Let me say that again. Jesus is saying we cannot call him friend if we choose to not do what he commands. Because in friendship, there's always a give and a take. There's always a giving in to the preferences of those we care about. It's like if you and I were to meet for the first time and you say, Hey, what's your name? I say, well, my real name, my real name is Ramon. For real. Ramon Fernando Rodriguez. It's the most Mexican name you could ever have. But my friends, they call me Tito. And if you were to go up to me and say, hey... I don't care what your friends call you. I'm going to call you Ramon. Like, that would just be weird, right? That would just be strange. Or, or hey, what's your name? Oh, my name's Jaime. Oh, Jamie. No, Jaime, I'm a boy, <laughs> right? And for all the male Jamie's in the room, I'm so sorry. Please don't email me later. Please don't email Pastor Mark. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Jesus said in verse 14, You are my friends if you do what I command. If you do what I command, listen to the way Bill Maher, talk show host of Real Time with Bill Maher, also an outspoken atheist, listen to the way he puts it, if you ignore every single thing Jesus commands you to do, you are not a Christian. You're just auditing. In other words, you're just sitting in on the class that you're not paying for. You are not Christ's followers. You're just fans. Man. Man. I think that's so many of us. Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr., he said the same thing, but he said it this way. He said, if you're unwilling to fulfill the task, then don't wear the title. More often than not, we take Jesus' commands as Jesus' suggestions. We take God's word as God's recommendations. And we forget that though he is our friend, he is still our God. He's still our master. He's still our boss. He's still the creator of the universe. He's still the curator of our tears and our heartbeats. But in attempts to please God, we'll do things that we think please Him. We'll, we'll do things like, hey God, look, I, I'm not going to share my faith like you told me to in, in Mark sixteen 15. I'm not going to pray regularly like you told me to in Matthew 6, 6. But I will go to church. When it's convenient on the weekend And it doesn't interfere with anything else That I might have coming up last minute And that will make up for it Or, hey God, look I'm not going to tithe like you told me In 1 Corinthians 16.2 And Second 2 Corinthians 9.6-7 I'm not going to help the poor Widows and orphans like you told me to In James 1.27 But I will volunteer whenever it's convenient And doesn't interfere with anything else that might come up last minute And that Should cancel out my stinginess Friends, listen to the words of Samuel the prophet. Samuel was a prophet of God in 1025 BC. He was addressing one of the most powerful men in the world at this time, the first ever king of Israel. His name was Saul. Here's someone that was so revered in his country, he was wise. Saul was good looking. Saul was popular. Nobody questioned him until he decided to disobey the direct commands of God and instead do the things he thought would please God. First Samuel 15, verse 22. But Samuel re- replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And let me say that again, for some of you who've been fighting and trying to hear what God is telling you, some of you that have been looking to hear his voice, this is what his voice says. God is saying, obedience is better than sacrifice. Doing what you know God has asked you to do is more impressive to God than you going over land and sea and breaking your back to do things that you think would make Him happy. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams because obedience to God is the fruit of a relationship with God. And as we are obedient, God's friendship calls us closer to Him and it results in ongoing growth. Truth is, you cannot stay connected to the vine. You cannot stay connected to the Heavenly Father and have the Holy Spirit speaking to you regularly and not be changed. I love this quote from Billy Graham. He says, the Holy Spirit illuminates the minds of people. It makes us yearn for God and it takes spiritual truth and it makes it understandable to us. If you stay connected to God, if you stay connected to the vine, you will grow. I love the words of David penned in 1048 BC when as a result of Saul's disobedience, the first king, God snatched the kingship away from him and handed it to the most unlikely of people, the youngest of eight sons. David was thought so little of that in true Cinderella fashion, when Samuel the prophet came over to his house to look for a new king, David's dad didn't even invite him didn't i mean that's cold-blooded right i'd be like you see what kind of nursing home i'm gonna put you in dad you didn't even invite me to this thing right like that's hardcore right that is serious stuff but listen to these words these words that david said they were spoken on the day after years and years and years of stretching god stretching him after years and years and years of God building and and shaping his character, after years and years and years of his continued obedience, one step after the other, after the other, not glamorous, not on a stage, not in front of people, just one step in front of the other. Listen to what David said in that moment when he was finally crowned king. Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God. and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life you see what David's doing is he's continuing to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to him he's saying look I haven't arrived I still need God as much today as I needed him yesterday I still need him right now as much as I did when I first got saved. And notice David David isn't just saying, hey, show me my outward sins so I look better. He's saying, show me my inward sins, the things that nobody sees, the thoughts that nobody hears, the motivations, the ambitions that nobody has any idea are eating me away from the inside out. Because David knew something He knew that there is no use in running before your scent. That there is no use in attempting to do God's work without God's power. That a man working without this unction, a man working without this anointing, a man working without the Holy Ghost upon him is losing time after all. It's a quote from D.O. Moody, evangelist at the turn of the century. And for us today, we must learn to rely upon our relationship with God to grow us deeper and call us closer to Him. I love these words from missionary and, and just foundational person in the faith, Corey Tinboom. Boom. She said, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. And there are a bunch of people right now that you're like, yeah, yeah. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. Amen. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whenever you, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. We will bear fruit if we practice obedience and continue to draw near to Jesus. And as we close, the goal of friendship with God expresses God's heart to others. John 15, 17, this is my command, love each other. I love this command from Jesus. Go and love people. Go, go, go. Love people, right? I just imagine Peter being like, but it's so comfy here, right? And he's like, go, get out of here, man. Go and love people. And and here's what he's saying. The hurting, the lost, the broken, the imperfect, those who don't look like you, those who don't talk like you, those who don't act like you, those who do look like you. Those who do act like you. Those who do talk like you. The people who love you. The people who can't stand you. And everybody in between. All of them. And as if that wasn't big enough, Jesus tells all of his followers, listen, not just the full-time pastors, not just those who work at a nonprofit." Jesus tells all of his followers, that's every single one of us, every single one that's in this room, every single person watching, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Everyone. Listen, that's not just a, Pastor Tito, have you been going out in all the world and sharing the gospel with everybody? Because I'm watching you, right? Listen, it's, so, it's all of us. It's all of us. And this is where we go from here. Hear my heart when I say this. It's not just enough to soak. And get all of God we can. There's just, there's just something not right about locking our doors and pulling the shades down on our windows and spending all this time getting to g- know God's word forward and backward and forward and backward when in America, here at home, in our backyard, there are people that need the Jesus you already have. Listen, listen friends, hear my heart when I say this. Did you know that as of the 1940s, only 5% of Americans identify themselves as non-religious? In the 1940s. That's when Paul McCartney and John Lennon and those guys were born, okay? Just to give you some context. But between 1990 and 2008, in just 18 years, the number of people with no religious identity doubled from 8.1 to 15%. So no longer were there just... 5% of people, there are 15% of people. To the point that now, in 2017, one out of every four adults in the US, 23% of adults in the US, when asked about their religious identity, will say, nothing. I have no religious identity. Sociologists call them the nuns, because they are those without a religion. 36% of young adults under the age of 30. 36% right now are nuns. Of the 85% of American adults raised to be Christians, 19% of them now consider themselves former Christians. For every one new convert to Christianity, there are four more who leave the faith. For every one convert to Christianity here in the U.S., there are four more that walk away from the faith. Friends, listen. God does not so much have a mission for His church as He has His church for a mission. God has work for us to do. God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. Regardless of where you work, regardless of what you do for a living, there is kingdom work to do. And it's more than just earning a paycheck. It's more than providing dinner for your family. So please, let's set aside our pettiness. Let's put aside our laziness, our spiritual obesity, our I'm not getting fed attitudes and decide to feed others on the surplus of teaching and training that we've been given. Let us start loving each other like Jesus said and start loving other people enough to tell them the best news in the world, that there is a God who loves them that there is a God who saw them from eternity past and said, listen, I will not spare even my own precious son because you're that valuable. Because you're that important. Because you mean that much to me. If you would stand with me all over this room and bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment as the prayer team comes forward. Father, Father, if there is anyone here, if there is anyone here who has never had the pleasure of being your friend, they don't know you like that. You're just all theory and theology to them. You're hearsay and folklore. And from what they've heard tonight, your Holy Spirit is drawing them to you. Man, if that's you in this room, if you'll just raise your hand. If you can honestly say, I don't know God, but if he is anything like you say he is, man, I want to know him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if we could, with every head bowed, every eye closed, as a family, if you'll repeat this prayer after me. And just mean it with all your heart. God, I want you. You're better than I thought you were. I'm lost without you. I've tried things my own way. Please forgive all my sins. My shame, my mistakes. Repair this distance. I believe that Jesus is your son and he died for me and I choose to give you my life will you help me to live for you in Jesus name amen and with with every head bowed still and every eye closed still if you're here and you'd say I've been playing games with God I've been in I've been out I've had anything but complete obedience. But I'm ready to stop playing games. I want to really, really, really know Him. If you'll raise your hand boldly and bravely, ready to leave behind all that stuff, ready to press in and run after God. If that's you, if you would be so bold to meet us down here at the front. And we're gonna take some time and we're just gonna charge heaven. And we're just going to go after God in this place. If that's you, if you just move out of your seat right now, our prayer team is ready to wrap an arm around you and put a hand on your shoulder and just love on you and pray with you. And if you're here and you would say, you know what? I feel like I haven't been growing the way I want to. You're dry. Maybe you're lacking in love for Jesus sometimes but you want more of His Holy Spirit. Man, you just want more of His Holy Spirit. You want to stay connected to the vine. You need to grow. If you would raise your hand right now, and if you would begin to meet us down here, listen, we just want to pray with you. We just want to go after heaven together with you. And let me encourage you, if if you haven't already, we would absolutely love to have you join a life group because you need people in your life that are going to help you fan the flame as you pursue God not friends who will pour cold water on it and make fun of you for going after God. And lastly, here's the last call for tonight. If you haven't been sharing your faith, you've been surrounded, surrounded by people who don't know Jesus. Maybe you've been scared, maybe you've been intimidated. Maybe you don't think you really know enough. Man, listen, I get it. I really, really do. But let's remember the stakes. Remember what really, really hangs in the balance. I heard one preacher say, for some, earth is the closest to hell they'll ever be, and heaven awaits them. But for others, earth is the closest to heaven they'll ever be, and hell awaits them. I mean, if that's you... And you just want courage and wisdom to share your faith. If you would raise your hand. And if you would meet us down here. And friends, we are just going to pray together. And we're going to ask God's Holy Spirit to fill you up with boldness. And we're going to ask that He would start giving you some courage. That He would begin to give you the words to say. And that it would be as if you were plugging into a power socket. That He would energize you and fill you with His precious Holy Spirit. That when you go to work tomorrow morning, there's just something different about the way you walk and the way you talk. That, that those, and, and here's the thing, if you're scared, if you're afraid, listen, let's do it afraid. Let's do it scared. Because greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. Family, if you would, if you would stretch your hands forward and let's pray for our family up here. Let's just pray for them as if it were you up here. God, for those who need you in this room. Lord, those that are reaching out to you, that have been playing games with you, Father, I pray you break down the walls. God, that they would run after you, that they would find you. Your word says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God, in this room, let this be a room, God, of world shakers. God, our church family, God, that are watching online, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would fill them where they are. Those that have been playing games, God, that you would just shake them on the inside. You would fill them with a new passion, a new fervency. God, for those in the room who haven't been growing like they want to, that have been dry and cracked and empty. Father, right now, I pray that you would just breathe new life into them. That you would breathe new life into them father we don't always get the pleasure of feeling your holy spirit but when we do we treasure those moments father we don't always get the pleasure of feeling like it when we serve you but we're so grateful that jesus did his most hell-defying work when he felt it the least God, right now in this room, I pray that you'd breathe new life into my brothers and in my sisters. Come on, friends, let's not give up on praying for our family here. Lord, we just want more of you. God, we just want more of you. God, fill us with more of you, Father. And Lord, let us be obedient to the things you've already told us. Father, let us be obedient to the words that you've already spoken to our hearts. And to our lives. Lord, let us take these words of Samuel to, to heart when he says, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Father, we will be obedient. God, in this room, we will be obedient. Father, Lord, in this church family, in this body, we will be obedient. That when you say, go, we go. When you say, stay, we stay. That we will go where you lead us, Lord. And that we will test every time we hear your voice by your word. That we would allow your word to be the litmus test to when we feel the unction and the move of the Holy Spirit on our lives. That we would do as your word says and we would test the Spirit. And we would line it up against your scripture. And we would be a people who know your voice. Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing in this room. Thank you for what you're doing in this room, God. Friends, we're going to Keep the music going a little bit. And we're going to let our church family pray just a little bit longer. But if you're a young adult in this room or a senior in high school, we want to invite you to our Connect Night happening tonight in the, in the cafe. And we absolutely love you. Let me pray a blessing over you. And if we could, let's leave quietly so these, these folks can continue to pray and go after Jesus. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you for the men and women in this room. God, I thank you, Father, that when you see them, you don't see the things that they see. You see children of the Most High God. You see sons and daughters of Christ. You see the royal heirs. God, you see people that have the royal blood of heaven flowing and coursing through their veins because they are followers of Jesus Christ, the living Son of God. God, I thank you that in this room are men and women with destiny and purpose and future, and there's not one of them here on accident, and there's not one of them here who is an accident. God, that before they were formed in their mother's womb, you knew them. Thank you for your goodness. Help us to have a friendship with God. In Jesus' name, amen. You're officially dismissed. We love you.